It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a great show in store today. In fact, we've got a good one coming up tomorrow, too. If I have time, I'll, I'll mention, uh, I'll, I'll tease some of that. Some of it has to do with Back to the Bricks. Some of it has to do with Motown music travel in general uh, tomorrow but we uh we're going to talk a little bit about travel uh today on the show um we're going to talk about something a little bit depressing maybe not depending on uh, your point of view um in the third half of our three-hour tour professor samuel cohen um professor of sociology at texas a&m university has a new book um <laughs> called All Societies Die, in which he asks us to prepare for the inevitable. He says our society is going to die and asks, what are you going to do about it? But he also uh, points out in the book that there's still reason for hope, and we'll find out all about that during the third half of our three-hour tour today on the Tom Sumner program. Coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk a little bit about travel, as I mentioned. Um uh, a new, uh, newly founded uh, organization uh, called Charity Pro Travel is um, it's it's an online travel service and fundraising platform, um, which donates fifty percent of all commissions to uh, 
the customer's charity of choice. And it was founded by uh, Megan Maloney, and um, she and her father, who's a co-CEO uh, CEO with uh, Brad Maloney, along with uh, another co-CEO, Keith Hudson, who happens to be the father of pop star Katy Perry, um, as well as street, uh, Chief Strategy Officer Rick Schneider. They're, uh, all four are going to be uh, with me during the second hour of our three-hour tour today on the, uh, on the big broadcast. But we're going to start out this uh, first hour um, talking about um, UFOs, or as they're called now, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And uh, we're going to talk with... Um, J.C. Van Valkenberg, who, um, uh, let's see, um, former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist, and uh, she'll be joining me by phone coming up in just a, a couple of minutes, uh, along with uh, Deborah LaPravat, a former FBI special agent and forensic scientist, and they are both part of... Um, Genesis, the Genesis 2 project, and we're going to talk about that and, and a whole bunch more with, um, with them coming up in just a couple minutes about recently um, the, the government, uh, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs or UAPs, as we call them now, but uh, but let's hear from the experts coming up in uh, in just a moment or two. Um, actually, I think we're we're just a few minutes away, so we'll uh, we'll get to that right away. <laughs> Even if you're gonna stay 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we're going to talk about UFOs this hour, or as they're now known, unidentified aerial phenomena since the days of uh, Buck Rogers and uh, um, Area 51 and the uh, Roswell new mexico event people have been speculating about ufos but last month the office of the director of national intelligence released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by unidentified aerial phenomena so we're going to talk to a couple of very knowledgeable people in the field um i have two guests joining me by phone dr jc van velkenberg who is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist and a former FBI special agent and forensic scientist, Deborah LaPravat. J.C., Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And I have to ask Deborah, um, do you by any chance know my friend uh, Mary Ellen O'Toole? Which office was she in? <laughs> she was at Quantico. Oh, no, but when I was in Detroit and the Washington field office, there were like 900 agents at Washington field office, so frequently I don't know them. No, she was, uh, the reason I ask is because of your uh, um, forensic science background, and she was a profiler. And I I, I just, uh, go ahead. Yes, I dealt with physical evidence. Gotcha. The crime scene, human remains recovery, post-blast investigation. Well, I think she kind of tried to figure out where to find the people who did it. (laughs) But speaking of finding the people who did it, we hear about UFOs all the time. Are we ever going to find the people who did it? That's the million-dollar question. Isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're at least on the path towards that answer. And, um, you know, Genesis 2 Project was established to, to look at that scientifically, you know, to take a bona fide scientific approach to studying UAP and to trying to figure out what is this? What, what are we seeing? Um, you know, we all know that it's, it's something that's unidentified. That's why we're interested in it. But haven't we been doing that for decades with things like Project Blue Book and and other initiatives trying to figure out, you know, not not just the explanations that were given for PR reasons or whatever, but but behind the scenes, weren't we trying to figure out what people were seeing and reporting? Never. Yeah, I mean, we have, but I would have to say that science has just moved so much farther forward in the last 20 years, so that now the amount of data coming in is astronomical. Uh, UAPs are photographed daily around the world, every day. In the last four years that the Genesis 2 project has been collecting data, we have thousands of images and video so the amount of time that it takes to vet that information and then to approach it scientifically, at G2P, each photograph that we put forward has been uh, digitally analyzed from the time it is removed from the device, the cell phone or a camera, through its analysis 
uh, and so when the G2P puts out a photograph, you know that it's been analyzed, it's never been retouched, altered, or in any way manipulated. So you know that what you're looking at is exactly what was photographed. And yeah, and I think I think before um, yes, there was research going on before, but it was on such a smaller scale because there was so little actual data. Um, you know, so much in, in the past century was more an experience, an observation, a personal observation that then someone gave testimony to, that they told a friend or they even told the military about. But the thing is that when you're describing something in words, it's just your story that you're telling. There's no actual data to then research. And so, so our research capabilities were incredibly limited just by the lack of, of actual data data. And now with so much advanced technology, I mean, you think about all of us carrying around a, a phone every day that has camera and video capabilities. You know, and I remember reading a report in 2019 where they had said that, that an estimated 1.8 billion images are uploaded every single day. And, you know, part of that, at least part of that, is going to capture something that is unidentifiable. And so now we just have such a mass of data that's out there that we can actually start really researching this from a scientific standpoint. More about unidentified aerial phenomenon with uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg and Deborah La Pravat from the Genesis 2 Project, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. 
Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Jonah Pody. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about unidentified aerial phenomenon with uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg and Deborah LaPravat from the Genesis 2 Project, straight ahead. Now, for years, people have been talking about the... Um, the event from, I think it was 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. And according to legend, uh, an actual um, extraterrestrial craft and possibly life forms were recovered at that site. Now, the, there were different news reports, you know, some some that shared that thought, some that said, you know, no, it was a weather balloon, it was test dummies, it was this, it was that. Um, but has there been any actual hard mechanical evidence that has been recovered anywhere? Not, not that we have. Um, at this point, what we're seeing and what we're researching is image captures, video, still images. Um, you know, these things are moving outside of our physics knowledge. And I think that, you know, I've, I've often wondered if it's ignorance on our part to assume that anything that we see out there is 
exactly within the restrictions of what we know. So it's kind of like, is it a metal flying car with someone driving it flying through the air? Um, no. If it's doing these things that are outside of our physics, it likely is made from even materials that we don't even know about. And that, that's where you really have to, in science, you just have to keep an open mind and know that we don't know everything. That's why we're doing research. And when we do the research into this and we start to see that these are, these are moving by, physics, by, by properties that don't match our physics, such as with their acceleration. They're accelerating to points that, to our knowledge, none, none of our technology can do. And then they're doing 90-degree um, directionality changes, which none of our technology can do either. At that point, it's not going to be made out of, it's likely to not be made out of the, all of the materials that we know of here. And if that's the case, then it would be it would be kind of ignorant to be thinking or expecting, like, a, a, like a car crash vehicle on the side of a mountain. You know, I mean, because it's not going to be the same thing. And so, um, so I'm not surprised at all that that no one that we know of has found actual like crash materials. Yeah, I, I wonder about that because we never, um, you know, except for. A couple of stories, you know, in different countries around the world. We really don't, you know. I, I, I just, I don't believe there's, there's a hangar eighteen somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that that, um, you know, you bring, you bring about a very, very good point that um, a lot of times when we see stuff that we don't know what it is our brains immediately try to fit it into something that we do know. That's the way the brain is wired, is you're looking at something and you're saying, oh, this has the shape of a telephone, it must be a telephone. And the thing is that with these things, we're seeing them, and that's the immediate response that your brain has, is what does this look like that I know? Um, you know, and so I think that that's, that that's a source of bias because a lot of people stop thinking at that point. They're like, oh, it looks enough like this, it must be that, and then they just dismiss it. And and that's also just part of, you know, daily life. We have so many things on our minds on a daily basis. We don't have time to ponder every single thing we look at, you know. And um, but, but when we see something and we really start to look at it, we're like, you know what, that's not really fitting what I know, the way this is moving. Um, you know, you see something go across the sky or you capture an image of something going across the sky and you could immediately think, well, it's flying across the sky. What do I know that flies across the sky? A bird flies across the sky. However, when you look at it and you see it's tumbling, okay, birds don't tumble. The other thing is that you see, um, you see shapes that are not aerodynamic. And, um, you know, so, so it's really this pattern of stuff and really looking deeper at the information. And that's, that's where G2P comes in. We have, we have this such a mass of data of things that don't fit what we know. And my guests are uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg and Deborah. La Pravat. And uh, JC is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist. And uh, Deborah is former FBI special agent and forensic scientist. 
and we're talking uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, which is the new technical phrase for UFOs. Um, JC, what's the difference between UAP and UFO? Um, the the term UFO over the decades sort of got mired and hijacked by the entertainment industry. And it started having a connotation, a very specific connotation in the public's mind of something very fantastical, um, spectacular, something that is a little bit frightening, you know, and, and it wasn't taken seriously at that point. It really damaged the, um, the potential seriousness of the topic. And so they really, when, when, we, when this paradigm shift has come about, of saying, you know, do UAP exist? Um, yes, they do. But now the question is, what are they? And in order to really solidify that paradigm shift, you had to have a change in terminology because the old term, the old UFO term, has, been, has become so mired in conspiracy theory and so many things that have nothing to do with the scientific study of what something is that we are observing. You know, earlier you mentioned um, that we have lots of images now that we wouldn't have had 20 years ago, 50 years ago, and including uh, satellites, which can observe, you know, from a distance. So we have um, lots of photographic evidence is the investigation into unidentified aerial phenomenon still sort of stuck in the in the uh, uh, part where we're figuring out what it isn't? Um, partially, and and we're we're fighting against the tide of of what's called entertainment science. Um, you know, because you have all of these programs now. Um, you know, if you turn on TV, you can pretty much within five channels grab a something to do with UAP. And um, and so what those programs a lot of times are doing is doing sort of what's called entertainment science. It's not real science. Um, they're doing things to sensationalize, um, to sort of grab the next thing that'll grab the watcher's attention, you know, and um, and bring in more viewers. And so, so we're kind of fighting that tide as as bonafide scientists researching something seriously. Um, I think that that now with this shift, you know, that we'll be able to actually get the public to recognize the, the merit to the real study of this. This is something that is unidentified. This is in our national airspace and even our government. You know, if you think about the ODNI report that was released on June 25th, there were several of them that they said they still can't identify. And that in itself is, is concerning, and it's concerning in the way that we need to figure out what these things are. How much of it has to do with, um, was it Stephen Hawking who said uh, if if aliens are poking around here, we should probably fear them? Actually, that 
was Michio Kaku uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, put out um, some information that said, you know, you might want, not want to uh, strike up a conversation with them. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, thousands of images are taken around the globe annually. And what we haven't seen thus far is any type of aggression that's been documented. So where national security is foremost in our uh, thoughts because things that are unidentified are in our airspace, so far uh, they haven't poked back. So, But isn't there a lot more stuff in our airspace than ever before? I'm thinking about drones, and, and I even read a, a piece uh, just recently about um, a, an airplane at LAX that... that was one of at least a couple um, who sighted a guy in a jet pack at 5,000 feet. Yes. yes, I saw that. And, you know, but that's, that's why the study of this is important, because we need to be able to look at something and say, instead of just saying, oh, my God, there's something there. Is it is it something frightening like an alien? Um no, we need to research it, and and sometimes things will show up, and you'll say, no, it's a guy in a jetpack, or no, it's a drone, and here's the proof that it's a drone. They had registered. Here's a pattern. We got we got this, you know. Um, but what what it does is it it sort of clears out by taking a scientific approach. What you're doing is you're clearing out the stuff that is explainable. And then we can say, no, we don't need to worry about this. This is not a, an issue of national security. And then you can look at the stuff that you have not been able to identify and really drill down and focus your efforts on those things. Well, that's what I meant about, um, you know, when I mentioned that we might be in a phase of looking at these things and and trying to explain what they aren't mm -hmm. you know um if 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 we see a bunch of stuff in the sky and say we see 10 things in the sky and seven of them are drones and and two of them are jetpack guys there's only one unidentified aerial phenomenon going on there there's that one thing floating it wasn't something that we could identify. Yes. You know, what's interesting, though, is if you look at the ODNI report, it, it, the greatest percentage of the phenomena that they analyzed were unidentifiable. So it, it's not the nine were identifiable and one wasn't. It was, you know, 40 or 50, 40 percent was identifiable, and a great percentage of them were not identifiable, and that's where we're focusing. Yeah. And what's the possibility that some of the things that people see um, are, are naturally occurring phenomenon, like like the northern lights, for example? That's a little too simple, but um, could there be some reflections and and other things that that we see that we think act like something else? Yes, and that's why we're following the scientific process so strictly. Because, um, for example, when we set up G2P and the scientific strategy that we were going to follow for investigation, the very first step of anything that we were doing 
was to look to get um, forensic digital analysis of the images. And, um, and so with that, when they go through the device that it was made on, they're actually finding settings and everything that we know those settings have a risk, say, for catching a lens flare. Um, and so we're, that's, that's just like step one of elimination. You know, um, and then you get to step two. Okay, well, it's not a lens flare, so what is this? So then you start looking at the physics of it. You have a physicist look at it. And the physicist will go through and, and also do a, a, a chain of elimination where they're saying, okay, well, wildlife moves in this way. Does this move in that way? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then you move on to the next step. And, um, and you just kind of keep going in that vein until you get some kind of answer. Um, I'm not really sure when we're going to get an answer on a lot of this stuff. Some of it may stay unexplained until our knowledge catches up to it. Now, it's called the Genesis 2 Project. Why Genesis 2? What happened to Genesis 1? <laughs> Genesis 1 is in the Bible, though. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, we um, we have thought very carefully about wording, again, because as you had brought up, you know, with the idea of UFO and really watching how that term through history had changed and how the, so the public mind had moved around that. Um, and so we were very careful with all the terms that we considered for this. And a genesis is really something new. And, and that's where we are with UAP now, is we're entering an entirely new era of, of doing this kind of stuff. This isn't, you know, of looking at it from the perspective of, yes, this does exist. So just kind of move past that of, is it there? Well, yeah, it's there, but what is it? And so we really wanted to, to, to convey that this is, this is the next thing. This is the next Genesis era. And, um, and then the project part, you know, is important because this is a collaboration. This is a collaboration among scientists from different fields. This is a collaboration with business minds. This is a collaboration with security teams and with the government, you know, because we are talking about a multi-layered amount of information that even has to do with our national security. You know, part of the, the folklore of UFOs is the alien abduction. Now that there are trained people looking at this from a scientific perspective, does that mean that people who have these alien abduction stories can be dismissed if they don't have any tangible proof? I have no idea on that. Um, that's so far a field from any of my knowledge. I, I wouldn't want to comment on it. Um, I think that that touches on many, many different fields, which, which I am not expert in. Um, we, that is not part of our, our focus at GTP. Our focus is on the, the actual objects themselves. Uh, Deborah, would you like to comment? Well, I mean, I know that there are groups who focus on that aspect of alien abduction, but as, as J.C. said, 
a lot of that then is open to interpretation. It is anecdotal. It is uh, remembrances or conversations with individuals. So what, what G2P focuses on are things that can be tracked. And so photographic, digital evidence, and, and then uh, information obtained from other apparatus that might be able to measure if uh, these UAPs are putting out radiation, if they have a heat signature, to track their velocity and trajectory. So we wanted to focus mainly on things that have a quantifiable um, amount of evidence that can be analyzed as opposed to a recollection of verbal statements. So uh, G2P doesn't uh, even address that well, type of aspect. Now we mentioned the um, ODNI, the uh, Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and their preliminary report on possible threats foes, uh posed by uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, This is new, and it's just been within the last decade or so. There have been a couple of panels that, you know, made their way onto uh, YouTube and and other social media. Uh, But just recently there was kind of an official release where the U.S. government for the first time in its history said, unidentified aerial phenomenon is real and we're studying it. Um, is it, How big a deal is that, that it's new? Are we, are we going to start getting reports as information comes out? Because historically, this has always been sort of behind closed doors. Well, I would, I would think that the government felt that it was a, a good opportunity and a good time to release the information that they have because evidence is being collected daily around the earth. So, you know, it, it's like, can you keep quiet when uh, information is being gathered daily? So I think it was a topical situation, a topical report, and I, I, I'm excited to say that the United States Navy has started the UAP task force to do research into what they are. So they have acknowledged that they exist, and now they're trying to determine exactly what they are. And once we know that, do they pose any threat to national security? Um, We just, we really don't know very much yet, though, do we? Or do we? No, we really don't. Well, we really don't, and that's why it's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, basically, to look at the, the overview of the entire field, you really where we're at is we've just moved from saying, do they exist? Yes. And now, what are they? And so by moving into that, we're really in the infancy of the research into finding out what these things are. You know, and with our, with, you know, Genesis 2 Project's for your collection of data and just looking over it, again, from a um, overview standpoint, really we're just now starting to see patterns. Um, We're starting to see that there are hundreds of different UAP that we're seeing, that within those hundreds they each have different functionalities, different things that go against our physics. You know, some of them tumble through the sky, some of them will we'll be darting through the sky so quickly and then just stop and hover for substantial periods of time. 
Um, you know, a, and then you have others that are doing 90-degree turns. You have some that seemingly go through solid objects. Um, you know, so, so we're starting to see patterns in the data just, just because we now have accumulated data. But, but we are very far from, or at least I, I think we are very far from having an actual, uh, a hard answer, you know, that I think that I think the general public would ask, what exactly are these? You know, um, we don't know, but we're looking, and science is a slow, slow process. Deborah, um, how did you get interested in UAPs? I would think as a, a former FBI special agent and a forensic scientist that there'd be lots of terrestrial things that you could explore. <laughs> what got you looking up? <laughs> yes. There, there is no shortage of terrestrial mysteries. Um, but what attracted me so much is the, the approach that G2P is taking. Um, when I met with the other principals from the Genesis 2 project, uh, I had an opportunity to review so much of their data, and it's overwhelming. And I think one of the first things that struck out to me is that this is being captured all over the world and in our airspace, and no one's freaking out. I mean, everyone's, it's not like, oh, my God, there's an alien invasion. No, it's like, look, all of this exists. What is it? And people are more fascinated and uh, wanting to find out exactly what they're looking at. So I was incredibly attracted by the scientific approach. And, I mean, that's what forensic science is all about. Uh, science doesn't lie. And so uh, working with G2P, I have the opportunity to be part of the forensic analysis of the masses of data that's being collected. More about unidentified aerial phenomenon with uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg and Deborah La Pravat from the Genesis 2 Project, Straight <laughs> Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about unidentified aerial phenomenon with uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg and Deborah LaPravat from the Genesis 2 Project, straight ahead. And J.C., how about you? What, what got you interested in in UAP? Well, I I certainly never expected to be. Um, (laughs) It it really was, (laughs) yeah, I I don't think anyone starts out thinking they're going to go into this, um, or very few of us do. Uh, For me, it's the curiosity that underlies my interest in science. You go into science because you're curious about the world. You want to learn. You want to discover things. And, and it's, it's about keeping an open mind. You don't ever, even, even with human health, you don't ever start a study to prove something wrong. You know, you don't look at it and say, it's this and I'm going to prove it. 
you look at it and you say, I have an observation. What is this telling me? What is this? And then you, you try to get rid of your biases and you go in and you do a full analysis. And for me, this when I first saw all of the information, I was, um, you know, of course you try to explain it. You look at it from things that you know. Um, and when I kept coming back to this isn't explainable, I, this isn't fitting any of the physics knowledge. This isn't fitting my knowledge of even even the way that wildlife moves. Um, so this is something that we don't know. And I think that it was that, that curiosity that I have that got grabbed by this. Now, G2P, is this a um, an independent organization, or is it... Um, I don't know, overseen in some way by uh, by the U.S. government, and and also it has it's it's multidisciplinary. Is it multinational as well? Um, it is. It is an independent corporation, and we are not um, under the purview of anyone. We do not have to follow follow anyone telling us what to do. That's why we have been able to take such a strong stance on following the scientific approach that we're following. Um, that's also why we've been able to do such strict non-NDAs, you know, that we are not letting people know who works with us because we want to focus just on the data. Um, but we are, we are completely autonomous and we are completely independent. Um, and and we are we are independently funded as well, so there's there's no conflict of interest in here, and that's something that in science is a very big deal, and you always have to or you should you should always um, tell people when you have a potential conflict of interest, such as so and so or such and such an agency is funding us. We are independently funded, um, you know, so we, that gives us a lot of freedom to really pursue from a, an empirical scientific standpoint. Um, we are, at this point, um, I'm trying to think of all of the principals and the associates, everyone collectively. I believe now we're national. Well, with, it, with everyone who is there's, there's the NASA, the FBI, DHS, LANL, um, those are, are some organizations that that G2P is working with. Um, but what about the yeah. guys that we're hearing about and reading about, Bezos and Musk and Branson? Those, they are such innovative thinkers within their field. And the, the thing about them that is, is so interesting as well as being an innovative thinker, they really think outside the box, and that's critical to any kind of scientific innovation or making our world a better place. However, they also have the willingness to actually do it. And they're pushing boundaries. They're not afraid to push boundaries and to, to expand the fields that they're interested in. The other thing is that, like us, they, they have independent funding and they have big dreams and they can actually fund it and do it. And so working with people like that, that is what Genesis 2 Project does. You know, these are the people that we want to work with and that we do work with because, um, you know, we need people that think outside the box. We need innovative thinkers because this is such a, 
this is such a um, complex field, you know, and because it's so new, it's just in its infancy that that you've got to get the best people and the top people and the people who think outside the box. I just, I can't help imagining some life form on a planet far away looking through a telescope and turning to a co-worker and saying, did I just see a Tesla go by? (laughs) (laughs) I think most would love that. (laughs) I I just, I can't get that image out of my head. Um, But there was a time here in the city of Flint where we had, uh, I, I interviewed three sitting Flint mayors in the same calendar year. And I used to joke that if 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 an alien landed downtown Flint and walked up to a citizen and said, "Take me to your leader," they would just stand there and go, "I don't know who that is." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Who who do we take you to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, we have to we have to wrap it up. But this is such a fascinating topic. I could talk about it all day, especially with the two of you. Um, my guests are uh, J.C. Van Velkenberg, uh, Ph.D., former Los uh, Alamos or former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist, and Deborah LaPravat, who's a former FBI special agent and forensic scientist, and. Uh, they are now turning their attention to uh, the study of uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, and it's uh, it's it's now being treated as uh, something to study, which is a good thing. I want to thank you both, J.C. Deborah. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you much. This has been wonderful. Is thank there you. some place where people who are listening that are especially interested can go to? track what's going on and and explore a little? Yes, we have a website, and it is www.genesis2project.com. And again, just a word of caution, we are using the scientific method, which is slow, and we do not ever release anything before it is fully vetted or investigated. Um, We're not just putting stuff out there to get viewers or readers. So the site is not updated daily. That's not what we're doing. This is, but there is information on the site. Well, thank you both, and keep up the good work. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. Take care. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> Feet apart, 
can go back to school I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Of quarantine will be the death of me. The death of me. I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy a TV and a few things more. But when I get there, all I can find. Sixteen honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors 'cause I'm sick of what I see. So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over, like, "Yes, dear, yes, dear." At breakfast, I meant to say, "Honey, please pass me the pepper." Well, what slipped out was, "You crazy woman, you've ruined my life." <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized. <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness, you pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs>